The U.S. government has accused Russia of directing some of the world's most notorious cyber criminals to break into half a billion accounts at Yahoo in a sweeping criminal conspiracy that married illicit profits with intelligence gathering. The federal indictment charges two Russian intelligence officers and two hackers with conspiring to carry out one of the largest cyber intrusions in U.S. history. The government was sending a clear message to Moscow that cyber attacks would not be tolerated. Here's acting Assistant Attorney General Mary McCord. The involvement and direction of FSB officers with law enforcement responsibilities makes this conduct that much more egregious. There are no free passes for foreign state-sponsored criminal behavior. The Russians targeted a diverse group from the White House and military officials to executives at banks and global companies. Our guests are Anne McKenna, professor at Penn State Law School, and John Reed Stark, founder of John Reed Stark Consulting and founder of the SEC's Office of Internet Enforcement. John, in the announcement, the government made its case to the public that Moscow is orchestrating criminal hacks with cyber criminals. Tell us more about the Russian cyber spying regime. Sure. June, how are you this afternoon? And thanks for inviting me to talk to you. Uh, you know, when I read this, I thought, like Captain Renault and Casablanca, remember, I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on. It's this kind of hacking and this kind of scheme has been going on for quite some time, dating back to when I was at the SEC. Remember, there have been cyber attacks on the federal government dating back, that are documented dating back to 2009, 2012 all over the place and by various different state-sponsored terrorist regimes. So I, I don't know um, that this is anything new, but what's amazing is that these people were finally caught. And I think the FBI's really got to be commended here. I'm sure this investigation took quite some time. And it's the first time, as far as I can tell, that actual Russian intelligence officials were indicted right along with the hackers that they had engaged to carry on these acts. And uh, on that last point, what, what is the significance of that, uh, the, the fact that for the first time uh, Russian FSB agents were included in an indictment? It's, thanks for having me, folks. It's really it's significant just because we've heard so much in the news. Our election cycle is filled with these, you know, allegations of Russian hacking um, and interference with the election. And so to see the FBI and the Department of Justice come out so clearly with, you know, very strong charges, both based on economic espionage uh, for foreign as well as our federal laws for computer fraud and abuse, um, it, it's really it's significant, and it, it shows that, you know, they, they, they were very careful, I'm sure, before making these charging documents public. It shows that they are really ready to back up and, and to, to prosecute this. You know, what's going to be the trick here, though, is one of, the, one of the hackers involved has already, you know, been on the list to be extradited from Russia, and Russia, of course, has not extra, extradited that hacker. So what remains to be seen now is what's the fallout going to be for U.S.-Russian relations when U.S. demands extradition of these two FSB officers. That's, I think, where we're really going to see things get sticky, particularly with, you know, current presidential politics. Yeah, John, that, that is one of the questions here. What If you've got the Russian government involved and you've got hackers who you can extradite, how effective can it be to bring indictments in situations like this? It's always effective. I, I don't think it's obviously not as effective as getting someone and locking them up. But when I was at the SEC, 
for 11 years, we chased after people, and we generally froze their money, but we could never, only on very rare occasions could we orchestrate an actual arrest in a foreign country, because there are so many issues of just, uh, not just judicial comity, but also being able to extradite, being able to execute a subpoena on someone in a foreign country is a very difficult thing. So I think that these, these types of actions have a tremendous deterrent effect. I realize it's not going to stop a lot of hackers from doing what they're doing, but I think Anne is exactly right because what's so unique here is this prosecution crosses over to the political arena. All the matters that I did when I was at the SEC, many involved foreign nationals, but they were never tied explicitly to the government like this. So it was essentially a one-dimensional prosecutorial exercise. But now... You're also going to be engaging the State Department, the Defense Department, the Pentagon, and everyone else in helping to track these people down and bring them to justice. And they targeted a wide range of people and companies, both here and in Russia. Do we know what information they got, what damage they actually did? Yeah, we do from the helpful information provided by the Department of Justice. Uh, It's fascinating here because Yahoo, when this story initially came out back in the fall of 2016, that there had been a breach, insisted that there was a limited amount of personally identifiable information that had been hacked. What's clear from these documents released by the Department of Justice is that Yahoo's user database was taken as well as Yahoo's account management tool. And if you think about that, that's like the keys to the, you know, candy jar that it enabled um, these hackers to not just get folks, you know, names, email addresses, and that kind of information, but actually because of the information that was taken using this proprietary information that Yahoo had and Yahoo's database um, and account management tools, these hackers were actually able to get into the content of the communications, which is very unusual for a hack in the sense of, they were actually able to read contents of emails from thousands of individuals whose you know, communications were hacked. Not only that, in this case, um, which is in stark contrast to what Yahoo said initially for a very long time and continued to repeat, we also know that credit card and financial information was actually taken and used by one of the hackers. He used Yahoo's own account tools to gain individuals' financial information and credit card information. And so the flip side of this is that we're seeing a slew of lawsuits across the country being filed against Yahoo by individuals who are claiming their credit card information was compromised. We're talking about the federal indictment charging two Russian intelligence officers and two hackers with conspiring to carry out one of the largest cyber intrusions in U.S. history. Our guests are Anne McKenna, professor at Penn State Law School, and John Reed Stark, founder of John Reed Stark Consulting. And Assistant Attorney General Mary McCord said the charges are unrelated to the hacking of the Democratic National Committee and the FBI's investigation of Russian interference in the 2016 presidential campaign. But could what they learned here through their investigation help them with those other investigations? Well, part of this is speculation, but there's, you know, when we see the strength of this indictment against two known Russian intelligence officers, uh, that that is probably going to be a very helpful treasure trove of information. You know, we this this Russia has long been known to work directly with hackers, um, and so I think that there's probably a lot more to this. And while it may not be 
directly connected, you know, just the activities of state-sponsored cyber hacking are going to reveal lots of useful data. And I'm sure John can add to this and with what he's seen at the SEC, um, just in terms of, you know, th- we're seeing a government that's involved in economic espionage against United States citizens. And the information really, you know, was personal information about U.S. government officials as well as private citizens. John, can you add to that? Sure. You know, I, I, I totally agree. I think what it what it does is kind of answers the mysteries of data breach response. I do a lot of data breach response work where you sort of walk into the situation and everyone wants to know, well, what were the hackers looking for? What, what were their goals? But here, based on the digital forensics and, and other inculpatory evidence, you can see that the hackers who were enlisted here had a broad range of goals. By the one thing they wanted to do was to search Yahoo user mail accounts for credit card and gift card account numbers. Another thing they did was they set up an online marketing scheme by manipulating Yahoo search results for erectile dysfunction drugs. And I think that demonstrates the range of the use of exfiltrated data and, and the broad range of the, 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 the hacker's attack vector. In other words, it's just like a burglar who comes into a home. They rummage through, grab anything they can. It might be targeted. It might be not. It might not be. They just grab everything they can. They take it away, and then they see what they can do with it to monetize it. So whether it, that sheds light on an actual motive of what these hackers were doing, certainly the indictment indicates that they had specific targets in mind. But the indictment also indicates that these guys just grabbed anything they could, and then they wound, wound up doing any kind of scheme they could to enrich themselves. And what are some of the things we don't know yet based on? We, we learned a lot from this indictment, but uh, there are a lot of things we don't know. Tell us about some of those. So what we don't know is, and, and I haven't heard the news today, but I know the Canadian hacker. One of the hackers was a Canadian citizen, and we are waiting to hear if he is going to be extradited by the Canadian courts. Um, it appears the U.S. government has requested that. One of the things I think we can learn from this is going forward – how information can be used by state actors in terms of, you know, what, who are they targeting and what are they targeting? As John pointed out, they went in and tried to grab everything. But we know because of the details provided in the indictment that these two Russian intelligence officers had specific targets. And not only that, this conspiracy was an ongoing, evolving process based upon information that was discovered. So going forward, we may learn more details about individuals in the United States government as well as individuals in private industry who were targeted, specifically targeted. And when we see that that was directed by Russian intelligence officers, I think we're going to learn a lot more. But we don't know those details. We just have this, you know, sort of tantalizing figure of, oh, over 6,500 individuals' contents of their communications were specifically targeted by these Russian intelligence officers. So it's going to be interesting to see. We don't know where that's going to lead. It certainly certainly will be, and we'll be talking about it more. Thank you both for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Anne McKenna, professor at Penn State Law School, and John Reed Stark, founder of John Reed Stark Consulting. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, first in Hawaii, then Maryland, a pair of judges halt President Donald Trump's revised travel ban before it can be enforced. 